Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and we grow in Jesus Christ. In this series, entitled Our Covenant, an exposition of 1 Corinthians 1.30, we see the scriptural basis for our coming together as a covenanting family of believers in the body of Christ. We hope that you join us and uh, subscribe so that you don't miss a single Sunday. This morning we're continuing our study of 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. And last week you remember the priority Paul gives to God in, in this teaching. And uh, we need to remember this as we walk through this text. This is uh, just taking our time and, and taking every little point of a passage um, that we can. And for us, we've been considering the relationship between this individual passage uh, and its relationship to our church covenant, uh, how it is that we bind ourselves together as the body of Christ here at New Life Baptist. And, um, and so we've got the, in your bulletin, if you're looking at the outline, there's the second paragraph. Last week, we included the first paragraph and, and sort of made some assemblies there. This week, we're looking more at the second. Now, keep in mind that our covenant doesn't come explicitly from this passage, and, and nor is it exhausted. Uh, each paragraph exhausted. There's some overlapping things. But we do want to readily apply what God's Word says here to the way that we relate to one another uh, in church life. And so that's included there. And uh, again, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. I invite you to stand as we read this passage together. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, of who, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Let me read that again. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Father, we come to you this morning And we want to both thank you and ask you to bestow upon us every gift that you desire to bless us with. Father, that we would experience both the character of Christ in our own life, the, the, the blessing and the application of your word, Lord, that we would become as beautiful as you call us to be in this bride of Christ. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you make us each aware of this, all of these beautiful attributes, and namely that of wisdom, as we make ourselves ready for your return. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. So just that reminder, what we're doing is, you see the title there, it's Our Church Covenant, but what we're really seeing is an exposition, which just means an exposing. We're trying to expose what God means in this text. We know Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church, and yet it's God's Word preserved in Scripture that needs to be applied to our lives, and so we just want to expose that. But so that we help ourselves in making some of these tangible applications, I want to read that second paragraph just so that we are understanding some of the way that we bind ourselves together as believers in Christ. You remember the first part of the covenant and in the second paragraph it goes like this. We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all the nations. When we look at this, there's a lot of things in that, but I'm not, we're not exposing the covenant, we're exposing scripture. And this morning what our discussion is going to sit around and center on is the wisdom of God. Unto us, wisdom of God. Of him you're in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom. And so wisdom's been defined in many ways. And this morning we're going to look and dive into what it is Paul means when he says this about the wisdom of God in our lives as Christians. And then by the end, I think by the, our final point is whenever we'll begin to tie this into how that is reflected in all that is said there in that second paragraph. Well, the first thing I want us to see is that this is a wisdom of God. And I think we should see that in the way that Paul seems to repeat himself. Of him, of God, you're in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. And that literally reads, when we went to the original language, it literally reads, wisdom unto us, apotheon, of God. This is a wisdom of God. Thankfully, Paul explains himself. If we continue on in the passage, if we read and continue into chapter two, he says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is a wisdom of God that's imparted to us in Christ Jesus. And so the first thing is, is it's a wisdom of God. It's not of man. Paul makes that 
especially clear. This is of God. And, and I think we sometimes make the mistake of believing that, that knowledge is attained through much study. We sometimes think that, well, the world misinterprets things because they don't study full enough or they don't study the Bible too or they don't study rightly. It's these Bible scholars that need to come and reveal this and they're more smarter. On the contrary, we might remember, we might do well to remember Ecclesiastes 12, 12 and 13 of the writing of many books. There is no end. Reading will make a man weary. The end of the matter is this, that we... Keep the commandment of God. But there's something amazing in this. Paul said of God, Christ has become unto us wisdom is the first one. That's what we're focusing on. And here he says, your faith doesn't need to be found in the wisdom of men. But he, he didn't use wisdom. What did he say in 2.5, what I just read? But in the power of of God. We need to understand what he's talking about. Look back over to chapter 1, verse 24. Paul just had just got done saying, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, listen to this, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Oh, wow. This is bringing a whole new element to this wisdom that we're talking about. About and it pushes into that very next subpoint as this is a wisdom that's not of man, but it is unto salvation. And more clearly, what Paul, the same author, writes in Romans 1:16 is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. I think we do well to let the scriptures speak for themselves. And to continue reading what Paul means when he's talking about this wisdom of God. Look again to chapter 2, verse 6. How might we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God. In a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for they had, if they had known it, or for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared before them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
This is a wisdom of God. Paul goes so far as to say the natural man can't understand him. There's no way he's got to have the spirit of God to discern the spiritual wisdom, these matters that are power unto salvation. And so I think there's an important point here. Listen, if you, if you grow weary in your study of the scripture, we're talking about, we, we do, we want to know these hidden things of God. And so if you dive into his word and you grow weary and you think as I'm coming to the deep things and you're growing overwhelmed, the first thing I want to say to you is join the club. Even the apostles struggled through this. And Jesus said, listen, if you can't get the things that I'm telling you in an earthly way, how are you ever going to get the things of heaven? What we're talking about are the things of heaven here this morning. A wisdom that comes from God. The second thing I want to tell you is, is if you're struggling through these things, and yet you are one that's in a member of that body of Christ, if you are a born-again Christian, if you have come to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you ought to rejoice. Because you have this knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is that which brings us unto salvation. It produces in us salvation and it's given of God. That's the knowledge, the wisdom we're talking about. We just read, Paul says, as he's explaining this wisdom of God, he says, look, I decided to know nothing among you. This is someone who, who is a Pharisee of Pharisees, having large portions, if not all of the Old Testament memorized. And he says, oh no, what I've come to you speaking is Christ and him crucified. That's the wisdom. You have it. And so it is if to say this wisdom, when we're talking about the knowledge of God, when we dive into God's word and into the scriptures and we want to understand him to, to the fullness, there's no other knowledge that can bring you from here in your sinful and darkened mind to here in the heavenly realm that has brought you into the fold of God except for that which comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else. Everything else is just a simple adornment. It's just learning more. It's, it's, it's something that we can relish in and rejoice in, but it's only an adornment to our understanding. It's all horizontal. You've already attained the knowledge of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when we enter into these deep studies like this, this is something that we can, we can just relish in and we can uh, take our time. Listen, whenever, whenever a Christian comes to me and they say, brother, look, I, I can't understand the scriptures. This is like a, a child to me who's climbed into the pool and said, I'm having trouble getting wet. It doesn't make sense. There's no such thing. When you come to this scripture and you've accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're in. You're wet. That's it. And yet, maybe you still need the floaties. Maybe, maybe all that's left for you is to make your way and swim around the pool. You know, the wisdom of God is like this. 
Except when we enter God's word, we've come to a wonderful salvation, but we need to understand this is the word of God. This isn't a simple textbook. This is a word that is living and active and sharp as a two-edged sword. And so whenever you enter into God's word, you haven't entered a, a, a kiddie pool. You've entered an ocean. And there's, it's all it takes is to get in. But listen, I don't know if you've been to the ocean. I don't know if you've experienced this. My family, we've been blessed to get out there. I think my kids have experienced this as we try to venture into some of the waves and they cling tightly. And uh, maybe you're more ambitious. And I've experienced both the joy that comes in venturing further and further out, you know, jumping higher and higher swells, turning around and seeing people look like just ants. And then you realize just how small you are and how powerful them waves are and how much work it's going to take to get back in. And it is a frightening, frightening thing. People get swept, can easily get swept out to sea. Now there's a reality. We come to God's word, the expanse of all that he offers us in his endless mind that, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We begin with a doggy paddle and the shallow water, but we work our way into those larger strokes and it's going to take being in this word, making our way around, reading from God's scripture when we are bound, brothers and sisters, to experience both great joy and yet fear, terrible fear among these pages. The knowledge that we're talking about, it comes from above and it leads to salvation. And I can't help but discuss wisdom, but remember Proverbs 28 that discusses wisdom Personified, I would like to read verse 12 through 30 with you. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way in the froward mouth do I, wisdom, hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding and have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I, wisdom, love them that love me and those that seek me shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I, wisdom, was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no debts, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I, was, was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth nor the fields nor the highest part of the dust of the world when he prepared the heavens, I was there when he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep and he gave to the sea his decree and the water should not, that the water should not pass his commandment when he appointed the fountain foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. This is fantastic. 
language discussing the wisdom of God and we can easily see a lot of things. We can see this proceeding from the Father. We can see uh, this fulfilled in the work of Jesus Christ and the application of the Holy Spirit. We can see the way it relates to the rest of this passage, how next week we'll go into righteousness. Proverbs 9 continues in the famous 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy, literally the holy one is understanding this points obviously to Christ. It culminates, it's applied to us through Jesus Christ, which leads us to the next way we need to see. This is a wisdom of God, but it is a wisdom that comes in Christ. Colossians 2, 2 verses 2 and 3, Paul speaks of the church and he says that they're knit together in love. Listen, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus uses a number of things to allude to this point, a number of different words. We remember John fourteen six. Do you all remember that? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All over the place, Jesus points to his own teaching as true. We know in 1 John, John says the same in his first epistle, 1 John 5.20, he says, And we know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son Jesus Christ and he is the true God and eternal life. He uses this same word true alongside another word that he expresses of himself and we remember this in John's gospel in the first chapter. We remember in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Well, that word, listen to verse 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten father full of grace and truth. This is Jesus we're talking about. There's, this is elsewhere, even in our the same letter here we remember what Paul said and I've already read that I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ him crucified Jesus himself is the wisdom that Paul displayed it is the wisdom that he said is imparted to us it is a wisdom of God it is a wisdom that comes only through Jesus Christ he is the very wisdom so to ask the question, do you have the wisdom of God? Is to ask, do you know Jesus Christ? It's one and the same. All of these different, they're, they're different words. Wisdom, truth, uh, the word, logos. These are different words and yet they all find their intersection in Christ. Now here is where we get to apply all of this 
This is a wisdom unto us. Praise God. This is not, this is literally sofa amin. This is wisdom unto us. We're not just talking about an objective wisdom of God. God is smart and he has all knowledge. We know that he is omniscient. We know that. He knows all things. We know that. That's not what this is saying here. This is a wisdom unto us. This is talking about a subjective wisdom in the way that it is applied readily to every believer. Every person who accepts Jesus Christ is a receiver of this wisdom of God. Now listen, look again to our our covenant over there. If you're in the back of the bulletin. It reads, we strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort. And I would say those actually build off of one another. But listen, to promote its prosperity and spirituality and to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrine. I just want to have a little fun and consider each of these in regard to how is it that we need the wisdom of God in every function of the church, namely these that were mentioned. In worship, do we need the wisdom of God? Or do we have the worship section and then the teaching section of a, of a Sunday service? Well, Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service, or could even be translated worship there. Be not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Our worship requires a wisdom and discernment according to God's word. Ordinances. That's literally, that's baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are the ordinances within the church. Paul, same author, in Romans 6, uses baptism to teach us mysteries that are included in this wisdom of God. And he says in verse 3 and 4, Romans 6, 3 and 4, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ to be raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we all shall walk in the newness of life. That sounds a lot like the gospel to me. This is the wisdom of God, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our ordinances teach us. In the same book, 1 Corinthians 11, he uses the Lord's Supper and he teaches us, he warns us in that. The same thing, discipline. That's right. We're called to maintain discipline. I think we just need to go on and repent of allowing this to be a scary word in our vocabulary. This is the same word from which we get discipleship. Discipline always has as its goal restoring, correcting, drawing in a believer. Like we discipline our children the disciple receives instruction from the Lord. It's the Son of God who receives discipline. And frankly, if you would jump forward in the covenant to see the way that we're called to support the ministry, expense of the church, relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all the nations, which we do in a number of ways, maybe this is clearly 
uh, identified in the Great Commission passage. Matthew 18, 20, what does he say? He says, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he gives us the command, go ye therefore and teach. This literally is to make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and law and with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, the Christian and church discipline, it involves this teaching and this wisdom of God, doctrine. That's literally what the Jews would call, which is our Old Testament, their Torah. So what it literally means is teaching, doctrine, law, instruction. And all of these are inherently linked to the wisdom of God. So whenever we come to this, we don't come to this scripture trying to study, trying to become smart people so that we can trip up people of the world. I'm sorry, that's not what Paul means. He means you have got something supernatural. You have got something that only comes from God through Christ and is imparted by His Spirit and, and that is not, it's not a wisdom of the world. This is something that is achieved through the cross of Jesus Christ. More than that, the Spirit imparted to us who believe. And frankly, we need that. We need that gospel. We need that wisdom of God in every function of the church. We can do nothing apart from this supernatural wisdom of God that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and you need to realize that. You need to quit thinking of how it is you will build your ministry how it is you will build your family life, what it is you will accomplish as a Christian. You need to come to this right here. And we need to come because this wisdom, as we saw in all of this, wisdom equals relationship. It's whenever we grasp what it is God has given that is intended to save us. That's the gospel. That is what we have and it's what we share with those around us. It's a supernatural, it is a wisdom of God. So all the church does, I would argue all that is in our church covenant, if you'll read it out there or in your own copy in this body of believers, it's derived from this wisdom of God that Christ has become unto us. Father, we pray that you would open our minds to this understanding, Lord, that we would come to relish in the fact that you impart wisdom. Whenever we accept Christ, that is the wisdom of God. Father, you don't call us to be, you don't call us to be scholars, you call us to be servants. And Father, I pray that you would help us to see this is as the wisdom of God, Lord, that we would come to just uh, desire to ingest your word, 
and, and, and to understand your word. Lord, that we would just experience this in bits and pieces. Lord, that we would practice this wisdom of God in our lives and as a church. Father, we know this is something that is a gift. We know that it is something you are sure to grow in us and to sustain us by your word. And so, Father, I ask that you grant us a hunger for your word. And Father, that if there are any here, if there are any round and about the saints here that have heard your word and wisdom preached this morning, Lord, that you would work through them. Lord, that people this week would be called from death to life as you continue your ministry through your people. Father, I look forward to hearing testimony this evening of a supernatural work that comes from a sinner accepting the Son. Lord, this is true wisdom that grants us no accolades except for eternal life. Lord, that you would go with us as we leave here, that you would empower us in the same way by this wisdom for the ministry that you have put before us. Lord, a work that you have set in motion from the beginning. Lord, that you would use us, that you would work in the hearts of unbelievers, that you would open our mouths with a supernatural word this week. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching. Our goal is to help you and equip you to serve in the way God is calling you. This is where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and we grow together in Jesus Christ. We hope that you continue to tune in and to subscribe so that you don't miss a single Sunday.